0: Well, hello Heritage. Welcome. Welcome to our family at Bettendorf, QC West, those online as we join you here from Rock Island. I am glad you're here. We are a people on a journey and we believe that God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us, that he seeks to do great things through us and in us in order to change the world. But for us to see that purpose realized, he first has to call us to himself And having done that, he then calls us to live loved and linked and sent. And we're starting a journey today where we're understanding more fully what it means to live in those three realities. And if you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn or click to 1 John chapter 4. If you want to settle into a scripture, that's one we're going to land in. We'll be in a couple of different ones, but 1 John is a good place to hang out in chapter 4 there. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. We're going to have the scriptures up on the screen as well as you'll be able to find most of them inside your sermon notes guide, which we encourage you to use throughout our time today. You know, it was a a number of years ago that the evangelical church focused a lot of attention and effort on asking people a question. The question was, what if you die tonight? What if you die tonight? And it's a good question. It's a thought-provoking question. It gets the listener to to consider their future, their eternity. But one of the things that can happen if we're not careful in asking that question alone is that we lose sight of another important question. What if you don't die tonight? If you don't die tonight, how will you live tomorrow? Do you have something to live for? Some meaning? Some purpose? If we don't die tonight, how will we live tomorrow? And the next day? And the day after that? See, we're created for a purpose. And how we live in this life matters. Some people say, you got to go out there and find meaning, meaning in life. But, but the reality is, our lives already have meaning. We just may not be experiencing and, and encountering the full meaning of our lives because we've lost sight of our purpose. You see, everybody at some point will die. Everybody dies, but not everybody truly lives. And how we live in this life matters in the next I came across a quote a number of years ago, and it just resonated with me uh, so deeply. I've just kept it around. And, and it's attributed to Anonymous, but I just want to read it to you today as we step into our time. It goes like this. Life is not a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty, well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. Amen? Amen? Man, I like that. That resonates for me. There's risk in it. There's passion in it. There's pursuit in it. And and we are a community that believes God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. That he seeks to, to change the world by doing things in and through us. And that means that we can step into something that is much bigger than ourselves. His purpose, his plan because when you get right down to it, the deal is, we don't go to church, we are the church. We don't go to church, we are the church. That's your first fill fill-in if you're following along in the sermon notes guide. But we don't go, just go to church, we are the church. And that foundational thinking changes how we live in this life when we get it, when we understand it. Now, it's a simple statement, but even as simple as it is, we can get it backwards. And and. Let me just explain it for a moment. The the dictionary defines the church primarily as a building for public Christian worship. Now, that's an okay definition, but the church, the big C church, the church of Jesus is not a building. The church is people, people with a grand purpose, a, a missional community of disciples on a journey. And when we forget that the church is not a building, but something that we are, then the church becomes a place where events happen and a location. It becomes a place that we go rather than a people who go. We don't go to church. We are the church. If you grew up in the church and maybe you went to Sunday school along the way, maybe you remember doing this. You're like, here's the church and here's the steeple. Open the doors and... Excellent. Well done. Here, let's do that all together. Okay, everybody, everybody put your hands together. Make your steeple. All right, here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Okay, look at your left and right. Who doesn't have people in their church? Come on. Listen. Okay, look. That's catchy. It's memorable. It's kind of fun to do, but it facilitates poor thinking. Because we aren't, we, we don't go to church. We are the church. And a pastor friend, author, of mine, or author friend of mine, said, he said, look, he kind of reshaped this. He said, look, here's the church made up of people sitting in a building with a pretty steeple. I like it. Now, he's not inherently challenging or pushing against facilities, beautiful facilities set aside for the worship of God. What he's doing is calling attention to how quickly and easily we can lose sight of our purpose, that we are the church. That we have a divine purpose, a grand purpose. See, this, this life isn't about us, it's about God. The church isn't about us, the church is about Jesus, but we are the church. We don't just go to church, we are the church. And relationship with God through Jesus Christ isn't an end, it's a means. It's a means for us to return back to our original purpose and truly live life to the full. Church is not a place we just go. Church is a people who go. That's one reason why the missionary and church planter Paul in his letter, his second letter to the church in Corinth said this in chapter 5 and this is in the top right corner of your sermon notes, God, if you want to see it there. He said, Jesus died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. To follow Jesus, to live on mission, means we no longer live for ourselves or any lesser thing. We live for God and his mission. And in that journey is our role in community uh, as the church, a worshiping community of disciples on a mission. It's essential because at the center of his mission, we find our purpose. At the center of what he says is to be done, we find our purpose, which means that the church doesn't have a mission, but the mission has a church. Let me say that again. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. And that is an important distinction in understanding who we are and the purpose God has for us. It it may seem like we're splitting hairs and and wordsmithing here, but it's not because the mission doesn't exist for us. We exist for the mission. Now, sometimes we can overcomplicate it, but it's really simple. Here's the deal. Let me just put it in the context for us as a church. We know that there are roughly 400,000 people in the Quad Cities who do not yet know, or uh, in the Quad Cities. Of that, half, about 200,000, do not yet know Jesus. Because 200,000 say they are affiliated with some religious organization. That doesn't even mean they're Christian. So conservatively, there are 200,000 people in the Quad Cities who do not yet know Jesus. In light of that, we seek as a church to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. So that we can reach those people and beyond. We do that as we seek to live sent. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So we understand we are people who go. We have been sent. And we live sent as we do a couple things. We live linked in relationship to each other. And we live loved in relationship to God. This is our mission and vision all in one diagram. As we live loved and linked, we inherently live sent. As we live sent, we multiply disciples and leaders in churches so that we can reach not only our local community, but the regional community and to the very ends of the earth. This is who we are at the heart of Heritage Church, a people sent on mission with purpose beyond ourselves. It's a grand adventure It takes great effort and work and sacrifice and commitment and discipline and obedience, but it is a beautiful thing to be walking in that journey with God. But if we don't understand that journey, we can end up pursuing purpose in the wrong places. We we can focus on the wrong things and and seek to live life to the full because we've got this internal desire to have life to the full, but we can seek it in the wrong places. We can invest in lesser things and live for lesser purposes. Not that much unlike these fellas in this video. Check it out. You just wanna keep pushing yourself. You wanna see how far you can take it, how long you can stand the heat without killing yourself. If everyone's stuck in a rut, man, we just got tired of the same old thing. No, no lid. Yeah. I am willing to die for this. I mean, I don't want to, but no litting is a way of life. This is how I became a man. Extreme coffee drinking is the ultimate, man. It's just the ultimate adrenaline rush. Yeah, you know, I got these sissy sippers coming up to me all the time saying, you're crazy and you have no fear. I've had third degree burns over 75% of my lips. We're no litters, man. <laughs> it's what we do. It's who we are. Look at that, man. Hey, look at that. Superheated to 450 degrees, no lid, no coaster, wobbly desk, and the most important stack of papers I've ever done for this company. Woohoo! Adventure, baby! That's why we get out of bed in the morning. to be a normal person, have a normal cup of Joe, that didn't work. There's no risk. There's no adventure. What's life without adventure? <laughs> oh, what's life without adventure, people? Man, as funny as that may be, here's the deal. Not using lids is not a way to live truly live life to the full. No offense, coffee drinkers, edge runners. It's not the way to truly live. But anytime we live for lesser purposes in life, it costs us something. Not not just stains on a shirt or or burns on your mouth. It it starts to lead into life and death realities, eternal implications. How we live in this life matters. As a leadership team, we are intentionally taking steps to submit ourselves fully to God's design in every area. We want our investments and our lives to be defined by Jesus. And as we step into this next season as a church, we're taking intentional action to build on where we've been as a church family and to more intentionally chase hard after God. One of the key expressions for how we do that is articulated in values. Values are guiding principles of a group, and they can be key statements or key words. And Since Jesus has already identified that loving God, loving others, and making disciples is important, we embrace those as values, and and we seek to live them as core values expressed in live loved, live linked, and live sent. In fact, let me just show you a graphic that we've drawn up just to keep drawing our mind back to the realities of living loved, linked, and sent. This is designed to help us stay focused on the three things that are really the pillars of the church. This is not a new concept. It's love of God, love of others and making disciples. But it's what it means to be the church as God defined it and designed it. And our goal is to seek to live fully in them. Now, that being said, one of the cooler parts of this is that the expressions that we have here as a church of connect, grow, serve, give, tell, still remain an essential part of our journey. What they actually become, in fact, is our our dashboard indicators for how well we are moving through the spiritual transformation journey or the discipleship process as we, as disciples, become disciples who make disciples. So here's how this works we can ask ourselves out of Connect, Grow, Serve, Give, Tell, how are we doing connecting, growing, serving, giving, and telling? Are we connecting, growing, serving, giving, and telling? Great indicators for us moving in a progression to becoming disciples who make disciples. So we're in a process now of incrementally and intentionally rolling this out. Over the the next few weeks, we're going to talk more about these values of loved, linked, and sent. And, And I wanted to just start by telling you now what is happening and why it's happening so you're aware before you encounter some of these shifts. We are building on where we've been so that we can step into the next level with God in reaching the region. And as a church, we seek to live loved and linked, and what sent? Are you with me, Bentendorf? You with me, West? Shout it out! All right, good. Listen, let's take a look at one of these. Let's look at how we live loved. So, in, in fact, for today, when we're talking about this, there's just two things that we need to know, and one thing we need to do. Two things we need to know, and one thing we need to do. The first thing we need to know is that God is love. God is love. It's not an aspect of who he is, it is who he is. He is love. John, one of Jesus' disciples, wrote this about him in 1 John 4, verse 16. He said, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Because God is love, my friends, there is no action he can take apart from love. He is the definition of love and does nothing apart from it. So, whether it feels like love to us in this life is irrelevant because everything God does is love. It's an expression of love because He Himself is love. That's the first thing we need to know. The second thing we need to know is that God loves. God is love, but God expresses that love. God loves. And here's the thing His love is constant, it's constant. It's not more or less based on circumstances or conditions. He loves. He loves you. And he loves me. And he loves the person down the road. And the person in the other cubicle. And the person across the aisle. He loves all of us. And you and I don't have to do anything to be loved by God. He already loves us more than we love ourselves. He loves us more than anybody will ever love us. And he wants our best, which is why he invites us to more. He calls us to himself to live life to the full according to his principles. But sometimes in this journey, we can get a little mixed up in thinking what love is and how he loves or not, because we think his love is like how we love. But, but the key is, remember, God doesn't love like us. See, our love is typically limited to certain people and it's at certain levels. It's often conditional. It's based on our experiences, our level of trust with that person. And it's usually limited in how far it goes. But that's not the case with God's love. His love is not exclusive. It's not proportional. It's not even conditional. We were created to experience His love and to carry His love. In fact, we were created for intimacy with God. And the only way we know what love is, and the only way we can love, is because He is love. We, we know this by what He did. But let's look back at what John said in 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. He said, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. My friends, that is love. Our limited definition is not the same as His. And the really great, cool thing is that we can live in light of how He loves us. That's the beginning of what it means to live loved. To to live loved. It's how His love becomes the hallmark of our love. it's actually the one thing we need to do. Live loved. Let's go back to 1 John, verses 7 and 8, and into verse 19. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. We love because He first, what? Loved us. He first loved us. Being loved by God leads to living loved. There is an active expression to it. And, and in His love, man, you and I can overcome that sense of unworthiness. Uh, you and I, in His love, overcome that insecurity or that selfishness or whatever is in the way of you actually living loved in relationship to Him and in relationship to others. You, my friends, are loved, and you can love because of him. Now you may say, okay, I get that, that makes sense, but if you're like me, it kind of leads to a question. How, How do we know if we are living loved? How do we know if we are living loved? Well, Paul, that missionary and church planter guy, wrote a few things about this in his first letter to the church in Corinth. Chapter 13, Now he goes on to describe love more specifically over the next ten verses. And you can read that at some other point if you'd like. But let me throw out a few characteristics that his description in this entire chapter reveals. And there are just five things that I think should mark the believer in this area of living loved. They're being selfless, giving, sacrificial, generous, and obedient. Selfless, forgiving, sacrificial, generous, and obedient. These five things begin to describe love and should be found in our lives if we follow Jesus. Because they describe Jesus. This this is who he was and is selfless, forgiving, sacrificial, generous, obedient, even to death on a cross. How we live matters. And, and how we define love affects how we live. And a really small detail in understanding what love is and what love isn't can change the trajectory of a life entirely. It reminds me of actually a a news article that I came across a number of years ago. And I just want to read it to you because of one small thing, there was a huge impact. So here's the deal. Apparently, on the day in question, a Venus space probe launch vehicle boosted by an 18 million dollar U.S. Atlas rocket was lost because a hyphen was missing from a computer equation. (laughs) Richard Morrison of NASA told the House Space Committee investigating the incident that the missing hyphen caused a mathematical miscue. Morrison said the hyphen gives a cue for the spacecraft to ignore the data the computer feeds feeds it until radar contact is once again restored. when when that hyphen is left out, false information is fed into the spacecraft control systems, and in this case, the computer-fed, hard left, nose down, and the vehicle obeyed. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's amazing to me, hard to believe, that a small hyphen in a computer program caused the destruction of an $18 million rocket, that something as small as a hyphen changed everything. But like a missing hyphen, When we don't understand what love is and what love isn't, we can end up living lesser lives, not focused or faithful to our purpose. Many of us, I think, try to love God. We engage in expressions of worship, but still feel like something is missing. And that's when we take a hard left nose down in life instead of living life to the full on mission. Look, Jesus, Jesus taught us. He said there are the, the two greatest commandments that arise above every other commandment are to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. Love, live loved, live linked. There's a vertical piece and a horizontal piece to that. If we don't have the vertical piece of loving God, we are incapable of loving horizontally. And if we are not demonstrating love horizontally, that's proof that we're truly not living in love vertically. They're interlocked. They're they're connected to each other. Vertical is expressed in the horizontal. Think about it this way. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says that if you love me, you will obey my commands. So just in a a couple of words, he says, if you love me, you will obey. And he establishes a very clear link between love and obedience. They're inseparable. If, if If we don't obey, we do not love. And and we can look at that and go, okay, that seems pretty simple enough, but honestly we struggle to do this. We say, I love you God, but I struggle to obey you. I do these things to obey you, but I don't feel like we're really connecting and and I'm I'm loving you fully. And and the reality is, we're missing components to this. There is more to it than just love to align to obey. In fact, in verse 21, Jesus goes on to say a little bit more that reveals to us some of the missing pieces in that process. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. (laughs) Oh man, I get excited every time I read that. I I don't know if you see this or what this really means, but let let me just walk down through it for a moment. Because God loves us, he Out of his love for us, shows himself to us so that we can know him. He reveals himself through things of this world, through his spirit, he through his word, he reveals himself. And when he does, when we know him, well now we're positioned to love him. Because to know him is to love him. And when we love him, well then we're positioned to actually step towards obedience. But many of us stop here because we're missing a component of trust. See, we may, we may love, but if we don't trust, we're not going to step to obedience. But when we know Him, we love Him, we love Him, we trust Him, and we trust Him, well, now we can move to obedience. It's, it's a simple process that all of us should be able to experience in life. But if we, if we don't obey, that means we don't trust. And if we don't trust, we don't really, we don't really love. And if we don't love, then we don't truly know Him. But when we do know him, we love him, we trust him, and we obey him. And here's the thing. This is what Jesus did in verse 21 that kind of blew this all wide open for me. He says "Then my father will love them, and I will love them, and I will show myself to them. And now we know him more. And we know him more, we can love him more. We love him more, we trust him more, we trust him more, we obey him more. And this just continues over and over at deeper and deeper levels as we live loved and linked and sent. But here's where this thing breaks down right here and we don't obey God shows himself to be who he is and he is the one who loves and therefore we can love where this thing breaks down and where we don't get to see more of who he is is where you and I step out of obedience when we don't obey the thing he's asked us to do that whole thing breaks down and we don't obey And if you're in a cycle that you don't get to see God anymore, he's not revealing himself more to you, and it's linked to a place place of obedience or, or some other part of that process, go find out why. Is it because you're not obeying? Or is it because you're not trusting? Or you're not loving? Find out where it starts to break down. Because until you continue to walk around and step in obedience, he's not able to reveal more of who he is and position you for more in this life. It's really a conversation about being leading to doing which we've been talking about as a church family for a while, where we're secure in our knowledge and understanding who God is and we're not trapped in unworthiness and not trapped in pride and we let our love be expressed in obedience. So, so we're, we're selfless. We value others more than we value ourselves. So that we're sacrificial. We, we sacrifice like he sacrificed for us. We reach a point that we're forgiving. We don't put a limit to grace. We keep no record of wrongs. We forgive as we've been forgiven. And we become generous in that process as well because where our treasure is is where our heart is, and this is all related back to heart. You know, the the mission of God requires greater and greater love and faithfulness from His people. We know there's 200,000 people in the Quad Cities who do not yet know Jesus. In fact, it was earlier this year that when we stepped into our new church here in May, we spent some time in a series we called Cardiac Arrest, and we leaned into knowing that God asks for our first and our best and, and what we do with our treasure reveals our heart. It, it impacts our love. And as we stepped into that new church here, we set an aggressive budget that was a minimum budget, that I told you, for starting to impact the Quad Cities at the next level. And I ask you to simply be faithful in giving to God what is His, that tie, the first 10%, the first fruits, just give that back to Him. And For some, living in scarce resources, that was incredibly difficult. For others, blessed with resources, still could have been difficult. But out of obedience, the ask was to say, give to God what is His. And it was a big ask, but an important ask. Because I understand what God is asking us to do as a church, and it will take resources, increasing resources, to reach these cities and beyond. So the beautiful thing was, out of that initial ask, God moved and you responded. And giving jumped 18% in our family awesome. It's direct result of God's faithfulness to move among his people. In fact, it happened as we stepped into what's called the summer slump in church circles because vacation and other things happen. Most churches experience drop in all numbers through the summer. We didn't. We not only hit 18, we maintained 14 percent through the summer. But one of the things I see now in this fall season, that's starting to shift. It's starting to change a little bit. And our job's not yet done as a church. It, we haven't even reached our faith promise goals that we set. And faith promise is how, uh, how we invest in our, our missional investments and partnerships locally, regionally, and globally. And one of the things about our financial system or how we work here is we have a number of accounts. We have a number of, uh, of, of different funds. We have the general fund, the capital fund, uh, benevolence fund, missions fund. We have all these different funds. And what that does is, is it positions us as leadership to make all these uh, like a variety of different asks <laughs> at different times, And one of my goals is to simplify that, to consolidate funds into one fund because there's one mission and there's one vision. Now, it's going to take time to do that, but when we get there, it will allow us to be more focused so that the ask is simply this, that you give to God what is God's, that first 10%, that tithe, and then out of the remaining 90%, you give above and beyond as God asks you to to support his mission, to accomplish his mission and advance the kingdom. The reality is this next phase of of the vision will require God's people to step generously and faithfully and sacrificially in using time, talent, and treasure if we're going to see his kingdom advanced. In fact, there's a couple of key ways that are coming around the corner that we're looking forward to sharing with you over this Love Link Scent series. But for now, as we start this journey, it's important to know that love is expressed in obedience. It's expressed in obedience. And I celebrate with what God has done and what He is doing, and and I simply want to invite all of us to increasingly step in obedience and faith to do what God is asking you to do. Just do what He's asking you to do, because that's how we live loved. If we love Him, we obey Him. Even though becoming a Christian is optional, Obedience afterward is not. If we follow Jesus, we will obey Him. If we love Him, we will obey Him. It's an important distinction that should mark the life of a believer. So what? What do we do? Well, I just want to leave you with three things. Uh, Three starting points to live loved more fully. And these might be your missing hyphen uh, in your journey today. See, because God loves us, we can love others, we can love ourselves, and we can love Him. And here's three things that can move us towards doing that more fully. The first is to pursue Him. To pursue Him. I want to encourage you to chase hard after God. Invest your time, talent, treasure in a way that positions you to know Him and experience Him. Pray, read your Bible. In the book of Jeremiah, he said this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Our God is not hiding from us. He wants to reveal more of himself to us. But until we step out of love in trust to obedience, he can't. He wants to be found. So seek hard after him. For some of you, that seeking component starts with receiving him as Lord and Savior. You've not yet given your life to him. You're spiritually unresolved in your relationship with God. And today, my friends, is the opportunity for you to step from spiritual death to spiritual life by simply having a conversation with God. That conversation looks something like like the prayer that's on the upper part of the backside of the sermon note guide. Today, if you've not taken that step, you can, by having a conversation with God, asking Jesus to wash you clean, to give you new life and purpose, and restore you back to the reason you're here in the first place. You can do that today. And if you've done that before, the reality is pursuing Him is part of the equation for us. Never quit chasing Him, chasing hard after Him, because it's not just about saving us, it's about living in relationship to Him. And without Him, we're kind of stuck in our own weaknesses and our own issues. Which is why we need to do the second thing, and that's abide in him. Abide in him. Jesus said in another part of scripture that John wrote, said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I'm not sure what your struggles are, what what failures, what battles, what losses mark Mm. your life, but God longs for you to just be to just be in Him, loved in Him, to sit in His presence and abide, remaining in His love. When we do that, He begins to transform us from the inside out and we're able to live loved more fully every day. Abide in Him. That leads to the third and final thing, which is to practice loving. Practice loving. That may sound a little bit weird, a little strange, but the deal is we struggle to love like God loves. And we need to practice it. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He went on to give a new command. Love each other as I have loved you. We need to be intentional in pursuing that kind of love. It's not about our ability. It's really related to our self-discipline because we love because out of the fact that he loves us. But our self-discipline can, can cause us or lack of self-discipline can lead us to drift back to old patterns and old habits. And it takes intentional effort to increasingly live marked by God's great love. So I want to encourage you to practice it. Be intentional. Forgive. Sacrifice. Serve. Be generous. Obey. Practice loving. So all that being said, I want to leave you with a final question. What's your next step to living loved more fully? What's your next step to living loved more fully? We all have one. I wonder what yours is. It could be that you need to remove the lid, (laughs) not the lid off your coffee, but the lid that's in the way of living that cycle, living fully loved. It it could be that you're not willing to obey something he told you to do. And until you do that, he won't reveal more of who he is. Maybe it's forgiving somebody else something, forgiving another person, or maybe just forgiving yourself. What's that thing, that next step to living loved more fully? to living the adventure of living loved for some of you i realize it's taking that first step into relationship with god and i want to encourage you to do that before you leave today we've all got a next step and as we step into a time of communion as a church family at each of our locations i want to encourage you to have a conversation with god but you will seek to live loved by the one who is love we've all got a next step I want to encourage and challenge you to take your next step today and see how God works and moves in response to your obedience as you fully live loved by the one who is loved. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the chance to gather as your people. I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you for demonstrating your love through him. It is by him that we can even approach you in prayer. It's through him that we can have relationship with you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for demonstrating your love there. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be a people who increasingly know you. As you reveal yourself to us, that we would live in that love that you have for us, that we would trust you and we would step in obedience. And every time we step in obedience, may we see you show up and reveal yourself all the more so that you are glorified and we would know you more to be able to love you more, to trust you more, and to obey you more. Help us, Father, to live loved. Help my brothers and sisters to know areas of their life that you want to refine, that you want to change, to position them, to live more fully in the reality that they are loved by the one who is love. So Lord, as we step into these next few moments, speak. May you show us what we need to understand about Jesus, and I pray this in his name. All God's people said, amen.